Welcome to the new reality edition of Bite Marks Cafe right here on Hawaii Public Radio where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. And of course, today's topic is about the Hawaii Annual Code Challenge and, and how it has evolved going from one administration to the next. And with me today, I have Doug Murdoch. He's the Chief Information Officer over at uh, Enterprise Technology Services at the state. We've got Allison Swaim, and she is uh, with Microsoft. And we also have back on the show, Thelma Lane, who has been involved with uh, organizing the hack for, I think, uh, last, I don't know, maybe last uh, five years or something. Anyway, we've got Thelma, and we're going to talk about Hack 2023 and some of the challenges that it uh, aims to address. I want to welcome you all to Bite Marks Cafe. Thank you. I'm well, glad to be here. Yeah, well, you know, I've uh, I've had uh, both of you, uh, Doug and and Thelma, on the show, and and uh, Allison is brand new, so you know, I'm 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 excited to hear uh, how Microsoft is involved uh, this year. So so Doug, tell me a little bit about uh, you've been in, involved, you know, with the hack for a bunch of years, and you know, seeing it kind of transition from one administration to the next. What what are you um, what are your observations? I mean, I, I think hack is being is continuing largely on the basis of your interest in in keeping it going. Yeah, thank you, Bert. I I'm really excited to have the eighth annual hackathon this year. Uh, it started eight years ago as an idea of Governor Ige, um, and since we now have Governor Green, uh, he did pick me to continue to be Chief Information Officer. So this is something that I wanted to continue to have happen for the state. Such a great educational opportunity for everybody who participates. And and Doug, uh, you know, just for maybe the the few one or two people that might not know what the hack is all about, the, the Hawaii Annual Code Challenge. What what is it? What is the what's the how would you frame it up? What what do you describe it in a sort of like a elevator pitch? You know, it's really different than a normal hackathon uh, or code challenge because it happens over the period of six weeks to a month. And uh, we have training and education sessions as part of it. Uh, we give every, all of the teams a set of challenges they can pick from that come from either uh, government or nonprofit sector, I think. And uh, they have about four weeks to successfully, hopefully, build a prototype, a working prototype of their idea uh, so that it can go through judging. And, and we pick a winner every year, and they have the chance to win cash prizes. And, and Doug, why do you think this is important? I mean, <clears throat> from obviously, you know, I, I mean, I, I think I probably know your answer, but why do you think this is important for some of our young folks to get some experience in? You know, participating in something like uh, a code challenge is really a great resume point where you can say that you were part of a team, you worked together, you came up with a successful application, uh, actually applying the things that you're learning in your IT classes. So I, th I think it's it's just such a great experience and a, it's great on your resume. And I think it's something, you know, when you're looking for a job, they're going to ask questions about what have you done with your IT experience and education. And, and you know, I, I've actually had uh, some folks on the show who were uh, participants in previous hacks, and they, they actually agreed that having it on their resume was something that 
whoever they were interviewing with kind of picked out and said, hey, you participated in this uh, hackathon. You know, tell me about it. And I think it is a, it is a um, attention getter for, for some of the companies that are out there looking for, you know, uh, innovative, innovative ideas and, and individuals that have a little bit of a spark, you know, to maybe take those ideas into uh, an actual prototype. Now, um, <clears throat> Tama, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, bring you into this conversation and tell me a little bit mm -hmm. about how your role sort of uh, has, has continued uh, with pulling, pulling the uh, hack off every year. Well, the goal here is to uh, create a collaboration um, that the sponsors uh, step in with workshops for us and, and, and financing so that we can give out great prizes. Uh, the, the, the ETS and the agencies come up with challenges. Uh, we also uh, added this year, we reached out to community organizations, nonprofits, and asked them for community issues that we that the the hack could uh, potentially provide solutions for. Um, so we we really do. Uh, our planning committee is made up of college professors, high school teachers, uh, ETS people, people in the community, all who care about Hawaii and uh, finding solutions to things that need to be solved. So, and that's my favorite part about the hack is it, it's so collaborative and people are so excited about helping each other. And the teams are like that too. So I, I, I find that's my favorite part of it is the collaboration that occurs. Yeah, no, that's great. And, and Allison, how did the, I know <clears throat> you mentioned that Microsoft has been uh, a sponsor uh, for several years and Maybe you can tell me a little bit about what is, uh, you know, what is Microsoft like about this uh, Hawaii Annual Code Challenge? Yeah, of course. Yeah, we've been partnering with the Hack for about five years now, so not necessarily the whole time they've been around, but for a big chunk of it. And I think it is such an amazing alignment to some of the things that we really care about most in my part of the team at Microsoft, and that really is innovation and a keen focus on local communities. It pairs those things incredibly well. And hackathons, uh, Doug mentioned them earlier, are a thing that have been around a long time and are something that we do internally, we do with partners, we do with the state here at the hackathon. And it's such an opportunity to let the youth and people kind of come up and bring really incredible, innovative ideas to the table. Things that maybe people who have been in technology for a long time or maybe been in government for a long time don't necessarily think about. So getting to provide an opportunity for that innovation to flourish is really a privilege and an honor. And again, it is something that also helps those future generations kind of come up in technology, get an opportunity to build their resumes and learn a lot of great things through the workshops as well. So through our workshops, it's a chance for Microsoft to not only you know come in and judge, but to give some education into some of our tool sets, some of the things that we're excited about. And so that gives us an opportunity to maybe bring some future talent into Microsoft as well. And, and uh, you know, Allison, I didn't give you a fair chance to really describe what, what you do at Microsoft. I mean, Microsoft is, <laughs> is pretty huge. And, and uh, I know you're kind of a, a regional, uh, regional director. So what, what, what exactly do you do for Microsoft? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so Microsoft is a very large, a very large corporation. You're right. And what my part of the organization focuses on 
is partnerships with state and local government. So we essentially have our own team that spans the whole United States, all of the territories and states, and partners specifically with state and local government organizations to drive innovation and drive their business development forward through technology. So my team and, and where I work, I, I live in Portland, Oregon, and I help represent the strategy and the teams across the Pacific Northwest. And that is inclusive of Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Alaska, and Hawaii. And I had the privilege of actually coming out to the island to, to work with my team on island, get to meet with Doug, get to meet with some different people at the state and local government teams there. Um, and it was a very welcome reception, which I very much appreciated. Well, that's uh, that's great. And, you know, I, I do want to talk a little bit about some of the classes that were offered prior to the official launch of the Code Challenge. But uh, we'll hold that thought. And, of course, we'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with Doug Murdoch from ETS. We got Allison Swaim from Microsoft and Thelma Elaine from The Hack. And of course, uh, we're talking about the Code Challenge and civic engagement. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor PCAT, Pacific Center for Advanced Technology Training. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe right here on Hawaii Public Radio, and I'm Bert Lum. If you're just joining us, we're talking to Doug Murdoch, CIO over at ETS, State of, State of Hawaii. And we've got Allison Swaim from Microsoft. And, and of course, we've got uh, Thelma Elaine. And, you know, I didn't properly give Thelma the title that she so <laughs> well deserves. And, you know, it, it was, it's a, quite a lofty title. It's something like uh, Participant and Sponsored Chairperson. And I thought, wow, that's pretty good. I guess she is responsible for getting all the people to participate and all the sponsors to provide uh, sponsorship. So I think uh, I think I like the fact that uh, Thelma, what, they just call you the chair, right? The chair of the hack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think goddess of hack should be maybe the, the right title. Oh, I'm well, kidding, of course. you heard it first on uh, Hawaii Public Radio, by, right here on Bite Mars Cafe. It's the goddess of hack. I, I'm, I, I'm totally joking. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I probably Rolling no, no, Doug, Doug, Doug said he's going to be the, uh, you know, the cheerleader for that. So I, I, I can see him kind of clapping in the background there. <laughs> no, but I, I like it, and and I'm, ho- I'm, <clears throat> you know, hoping that uh, there's a, a number nine. But let's get let's get got let's talk about the number eight. So Thelma, you mentioned that there are uh, there were some observations that maybe classes would be beneficial even before the hack started. And, 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 you well, know, in previous, in previous years, right, right uh, the, the classes would take place over the course of the, you know, the four weeks. And typically it would be like, mm-hmm. you know, like on the weekends. But, you know, mm-hmm. you've taken advantage of maybe some time even before the code challenge. So what, what was it that drove, um, you know, the, the classes? What, what did you decide that you wanted to actually offer? And, and maybe Microsoft, Allison, you can, you can sort of chime in. What did you guys actually teach? So, uh, um, Tom, I'll give you the first, uh, first stab at that. Well, the the the, te- the issue was is last year we added prizes for low code, no code. We used to have everything bunched together, and we had one set of prizes. We made the decision since we had some money left over from the previous year to give prizes for separate prizes for coded solutions and low code, no code solutions. Uh, to that end, we realized that if we wanted people to use 
uh, t- teach a class that then people would use what they learned, it couldn't be in the middle of the hack. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense, yeah. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to use it, <laughs> right? Right. So, and it was really successful last year. We had some great challenge solutions using, you know, Microsoft and Salesforce and a few others. And we were so excited that when we found out we were going to do the eighth year, I was like, okay, there's one thing that is going to change and it's going to become part of the program. We have to have pre-event workshops. Mm -hmm. And those pre-event workshops are going to be focused on actual hands-on how to do things. So that they can then, when the kick hack kicks off this weekend on Saturday, by the way, everybody, mm-hmm. uh, they would have some new tool sets to play with and try out. Well, that's great. Allison, what, what kinds of classes were offered and, and how were they offered? Were they offered over teams or how did you deliver those classes? Yeah. Yeah, so we offered two workshops this year. Um, both were done virtually. So we did a Microsoft Power Apps, and, you know, you heard Thelma mention low-code, no-code, mm-hmm. and that was one of them. And, you know, if you're not aware, so low-code, no-code is just a way of creating applications or software, and it's using more visual tools or basic skills, so you don't necessarily need to come to the table with a proficiency in, you know, complex programming languages. So. It's an amazing tool set, and uh, it gives a lot of people a lower barrier to entry in terms of creating some amazing applications. So we focused one workshop there, and then we did another workshop and kind of the hottest topic of the moment focused on Microsoft AI solutions or artificial intelligence solutions. And both were amazing. We had some great engagement and attendance, even hosted virtually. I know post-COVID, I think we've seen a change in the way in which people can engage in workshops and managing those things through teams or through other online tools, we're able to still use hands-on solutions to really partner with people from great distances across oceans. So it was really awesome this year and we had some great attendance. And Microsoft is one of the primary, uh, let's say, uh, investors in open AI. So I would venture to guess that uh, was OpenAI part of a, a toolkit that uh, people were able to access? Yeah, yeah, and that's true. Yeah, we're, uh, it's our big focus this year for sure. It's uh, no, no qualms about that one. So, yeah, it was exciting to be able to showcase some of those tool sets as a part of the conversation. Oh, great. And Thelma, I, I think I, I, I thought, thought I heard you wanting to say something. Yeah, I was going to say it was kind of intriguing because our instructor for those classes was from New York. Uh, I'm in Arizona, and the the students were all in Hawaii, and I think there might have been a smattering of people from other places. But um, it was it's that's the benefit of the virtual is I can have an instructor from New York uh, jump in who's really polished and has a good solid background and bring that into Hawaii uh, as a resource. Yeah, that's great. And and Doug did uh, did Thelma give you the rundown on. How many people actually signed up and, and, and what was the sort of composition of those participants? I understand we have about 120 people signed up already. I don't know the composition, but Thelma can fill in more. Okay, okay. Thelma, what, what yeah, you know, it's a mix of, of folks, right? It, it was a mix of professionals, college students are probably the, so college students are probably the primary. Uh, the second biggest group is a bunch of professionals attend because uh, they want to expand their capabilities. Uh, it's really cute because some of the providers uh, talk about 
the jobs that are available, and that always gets people excited. Um, and then uh, the final mix is uh, I start to see high school kids jump in to start learning some new opportunities. And the fact that I really uh, played up the fact that we had two different uh, providers uh, do AI uh, presentations. Mm -hmm. So that's, again, a hot topic. People are all excited about learning about that. So. And, and Allison, you know, in terms of the courses that were or the classes that were offered, I mean, was there a, a distinction or differentiation from teaching to, let's say, high schoolers versus uh, mm. folks that might be professional? No, not at all. Yeah, I think we, we really focus on making it open and available to everybody, mm-hmm. especially with the topic of something like AI, right? It's really new. And so it gives an opportunity and kind of equal playing field for anybody who's ready to come to the table and, and be innovative and be ready to learn and try new things. So, no, we don't differentiate necessarily between the kinds of people that we're educating in the course. And, and uh, Thelma, did you get a sense as to what kinds of backgrounds the high schoolers had? Because i got to give them a lot of credit. You know, coming into a, a class, you know, I'm not sure what courses they might have taken uh, prior to that. I mean... What do you what do you sense as the confidence my, level? My my impression I, I'm, I'm always blown away with the confidence level of high school kids. I know I was never that confident when I was in high school, so that's a, a definite positive improvement from when I was younger. Mm-hmm. But um, I some of these concepts and some of these tools are very new, so everybody on some level is is still more beginner ish than they would normally be and um we saw some really like i said uh using last year as our example is uh we had uh, a high school team take the top prize in the no code category and in the high school category as a result uh so that just shows you that uh the the tools are uh, comprehensive and easy to use, and uh, it, it you don't have to be uh, the ba- the training, the college training, and the university training is a good uh, strengthener and a, and a level uh, uh, way to learn, uh, expand your horizons. But uh, I didn't see any hesitation at all from the younger younger participants. Well, you know, a, a little story I, I want to share is that I think the the <clears throat> the story or the show that we did about the hack featured a couple of those uh, students that were part of, well, actually, they, they might have been, uh, yeah, I think they were maybe seniors that were uh, the winners. Uh, and it just happens that they were part of the first hack because their dads were part of the first hack. So they, they went to it and they thought, wow, this is pretty cool. And they participated in the one that they got recognized and awarded. And uh, I thought it was kind of a cool show having both their, you know, the sons and the dads uh, on the show talking about the code challenge. But I do want to uh, I do want to get into some of the uh, actual department challenges and and tell me how you got some of the departments to start ideating and what kinds of uh, things they might want to solve. So we'll hold that thought. We'll be right back of this short uh, break to continue our conversation with Doug Murdoch, CIO from ETS. We got Allison Swain from Microsoft and we've got. Thelma Elaine, she's the goddess of the hack. This is Bite Marks Cafe. 
Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Anchor Systems Hawaii. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum right here on Hawaii Public Radio. If you're just joining us, we're talking to Doug Murdoch, uh, CIO over at uh, ETS. ETS is Enterprise Technology Services over at the state of Hawaii. We've got Allison Swain from Microsoft. And, of course, we've got Thelma Elaine. She's the chair of the Hawaii Annual Code Challenge. And, and of course, right before the break, I wanted to get Thelma to tell us a little bit about how did you get some of the, some of the departments to come up with, you know, ideas, challenges, problems that they wanted to solve? Well, this year it was a little tough because there were so many things going on mm-hmm. in the state. Mm-hmm. So, uh, And we had already decided to expand um, to community organizations, not just state agencies. Uh, at the beginning, we had uh, the, the governor's office was going to do a homeless shelter uh, app, and we had the... the uh, we had an organization work with the legislature, Tyler Hawaii, uh, for affordable health care dashboard. Um, the, unfortunately, the, the, the homeless one fell off, but we then, the University of Hawaii uh, came up with an AI challenge, which I think is really cool because we had the AI workshop. Um, and then uh, one of our uh, com- community um, uh, 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 Planning Committee partners uh, works for HPU, Hawaii Pacific University, and they're doing, uh, they're offering a Center for Marine Debris Research Mm -hmm. uh, app. Um, We have our first ever non-Oahu challenge coming in from Maui, and I'm very excited about that one because um, they're trying to, it's a very big uh, situation. They're trying to develop technology that will help uh, the civic engagement and decisions around what to do with Lahaina and how to build it with not just the government and the, but the, the, the community's input on doing that. And so they have narrowed it down to a little piece um, for that. And I think that's very timely and a very important project. I'm hoping a lot of people uh, try to help with that one. Mm-hmm. And then uh, another community app is uh, Zero Waste Oahu uh, is uh, looking for a way to manage their reusable takeout program and make sure it's sustainable. So the program this year was about sustainability, about community support, making sure the citizens of Hawaii uh, needs are being met. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you look at the list of what we're doing, you know, having sustainable oceans and having affordable health care and uh, figure out ways to solve problems like what happened uh, uh, from the community with Lahaina mm-hmm. and so forth. Uh, now, one of the things is my, commu- my um, planning committee uh, were really instrumental in going and shaking the tree and bugging people and convincing them to uh, be part of the challenge, and so we ended up with five this year. Oh, that's great. I'm very and, excited and, about them. And tell me, you know, the Maui Challenge, who's actually the organization uh, kind of sponsoring that challenge? Uh, the Maui Institute of Art and Technology. Oh. Yeah. And so there's a group. Mm-hmm. And, and in, in terms of participation, you don't have to be on Oahu to participate, right? You, you could be, you could be anywhere across the Absolutely state. Absolutely not. 
I, I would like to share with the community that uh, um, one of the in-kind sponsorships we got was from Salesforce, mm-hmm. and they gave us a pro version of um, the Slack uh, workspace. And what that means is people can huddle, and I can set up challenge uh, team, private team channels for them so that they can work anywhere they are with each other. And I know that there are some team, there are some people from Maui who are going to be joining with some people on other islands. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And again, that's something I'm very excited about. We haven't been able to get that to happen as much. So that's a real plus for this year that I'm very excited about. That's great. Uh, and, and and Allison, I mean, how do, what do you see uh, in terms of, you know, participating in the hack? sponsoring the hack what is your uh, you know how do you judge a a successful code challenge yeah you know i think participation is one so that's the easiest thing right is getting the engagement from the community which we clearly have at this point and i think the other thing is the ideation of outcomes so something that we talk about all the time when we're working with people like doug or we're working with people in new york city or denver wherever it may be across the country is the ability to share amazing, innovative ideas across state lines. So you'll hear different government and state and local bodies, you know, talk about how they want to understand, especially, for instance, in the systems of AI. They want to understand how other areas are taking great ideas to help their communities. And they want to figure out how to create repeatable mechanisms to support their constituents and their communities and people. And so I think it's one amazing outcome, right, is what can we learn from the people of Hawaii and what they are doing and the issues that they are seeing, and how can we figure out how to take some of that talent and take some of that excitement and continue to replicate it across the state and local governments across our states. So the repeatability, I think, is is huge outside of just amazing engagement and getting getting the groups involved in technology and new ideas. Oh, that's that's great, uh, Doug. What do you what do you uh, uh, how can you assess what success looks like as a result of the code challenge? I think it is the number of people participating. And I, I like to see how many of the teams actually have a working application that they, they can get into the final judging round. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, if it doesn't, if it doesn't work, they don't make it into the final round. So I like to see a high number get in. And I guess uh, tied to that, what, what would you say is, is um, the future or the, the life after the, the code challenge? I mean, what, what happens to these applications uh, post-Hawaii Annual Code Challenge? Yeah, that's a good question. There are prototypes. They aren't really enterprise-grade applications. So sometimes the ideas and concepts are turned into applications uh, either with the students working with somebody in the state or with a government contractor. Mm-hmm. So we've had a few of those happen, uh, but they have to be uplifted to have the security and, and other management things that we need to have an enterprise-level application. And I guess if some of the nonprofits are, are p- pitching uh, uh, challenges and, and a prototype gets, gets built, it doesn't necessarily need to be state enterprise, but uh, maybe the nonprofit wants to pick it up you know, perhaps uh, uh, fuel it with some funding and then and then take it to the next level. So I I would see that uh, there there could be life. You know, especially with some of the nonprofits with some of these applications. We're hoping. Yep. Sure. So sounds good. And Doug, where can people go and sign up for the Hawaii Annual Code Challenge? All the information is at the website at hacc.hawaii.gov. 
Very good. I will put that up on our show notes for later on this evening. And, of course, and Doug. I, oh, can go I ahead. say one thing? You're one thing. I want to remind everybody that the kickoff is this Saturday. Please come. We would love to have you. Very good. Thanks, Thelma. And, of course, Doug Murdoch is the Chief Information Officer over at Enterprise Technology Services. Allison Swaim is the Account Director from Microsoft. And Thelma Lane is the Continuing Chair of the Hawaii Annual Code Challenge. And, again, starting up this Saturday, so go check out the website. I want to thank you all for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week when we'll talk about the Mana Up Showcase. And, of course, if you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on BiteMarksCafe.org. Our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on HBR One every Wednesday or anytime via the HBR app or your favorite podcast application. You stay safe. You stay awesome. We'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe.